Do you dream about your next trip? You're in the right place. On the Time to Talk Travel podcast, we come to you weekly to share places to go and what to do when you get there. Let's dive into this week's adventure. As 2023 draws to a close, we're looking back on the 15 episodes we released of Time to Talk Travel. What started out as a nostalgic group of friends and travel writers desperately seeking a sense of community turned into a weekly show talking through a variety of travel topics, sharing best practices and the mistakes we've made along the way. For our 16th episode, we wanted to share snippets of the topics we've covered so far. If you missed the episode, check out the show notes for a link to listen to the whole discussion. One topic we covered was travel deals, how to get them, and tricks that we use. Well, loyalty pays, right? Sign up for the emails with Southwest, like you were saying with the Companion Pass, with Delta and all that. If you have loyalty to someone or you fly a regular airline routinely, sign up for their alert emails because Southwest will send out specials that say, hey, book three flights during this window of time and get a Companion Pass 10 times faster than you usually can or anything like that. Make sure that you are getting those alerts so that you are taking advantage of them. And with Southwest, know when their next calendar drops if you're planning travel ahead. When my son was flying back and forth between our homes and doing a lot of unaccompanied, I would know when the fair calendar hit for the next time it was Thanksgiving and I could book at the lowest points possible. Cruising is a favorite topic for so many of us. We did one episode on how to pick the right cruise for you. There are many more episodes on cruise travel to come. The other thing I tell people when they're trying to decide, they'll say, which cruise line? And I tell them, for me, it's less about the cruise line, more about the age of the ship. I 100% agree with you. And sometimes I don't even trust the star ratings entirely. I'll look at the star ratings, but I've been on ships that were a four that felt like a five and fives that felt like a three. You know, when a ship is run, it makes everything a little less nice. (laughs) I always try and book on the newest, most recently renovated ships. That's really important. When you travel as much as we do, you've seen a lot, the good, the bad, and the ugly. An episode on travel etiquette was 100% necessary. What is the most egregious breach of travel etiquette that you have seen? Oh God, there's so many. People think that they are on their couch on a plane. First of all, don't wear pajamas to the airport. Do not take your shoes and socks off and stick them between the seat. Change your baby's diaper regularly. Don't clip your toenails or your fingernails. Nothing that you should be doing in your bathroom should happen in an airplane. Um, People don't see the people around them um, and think that they are in their own personal bubble. And that goes for a lot of things. goes for a lot of attitude, goes for a lot of actions and manners apparently are gone for a lot of people once they walk into the airport. Yeah, uh, I could go on forever, but I'm sure these guys have got a few experiences as well. It's one of my worst flights ever. I was flying to Israel and I had a middle seat, which for a long flight like that, really not good. I was trapped next to this guy who was flossing his teeth in his seat like with halitosis too. And it's after every meal, after every snack, I understand he was trying to keep up with his oral hygiene. However, that is not the time or place to floss your teeth. And it was just a lot. Go to the bathroom, do bathroom things in the bathroom. For me, it's people on their speaker phones. Use earbuds. Please. I can't tell you how many personal conversations I've heard. The stuff people share 
oblivious to the fact that I'm right behind you and I'm hearing both sides of this conversation. It's fun, but sometimes crazy talk. And then when they get on the plane, somebody doing it with a movie or their child playing a game, just use your earbuds. For me, one of the things I've seen a couple people do that I don't understand at all is the speaker, like the portable speaker playing music in the airport. You're not the airport departure area DJ. No one wants to hear your music. And the other one is really, really stinky food. I understand that you have to eat. I understand there are limited choices in the airport, but it might not be the best time to grab a clam chowder to bring on the plane or something. I remember someone eating a seafood platter next to me once, and I can't remember if I was pregnant or not, but I definitely wanted to puke. The sandwiches with onions for me. Yeah. Just hold the onions for us on the plane. It's a totally different topic, but why is it that every airport is selling chili dogs and really stinky oniony tuna fish sandwich? Like everything that you would not want to have on a plane is exactly what they sell in an airport for you to bring on a plane. It's a conspiracy. One episode focused on taking the kids out of school for travel and ended up diving into a lesson on teaching them responsibility. They have to understand I'm doing all this work for you to go. And then pass it to them. You figure it out. If you need to be away, what do we have to do? You read the handbook. Can't be all on me. It's a skill you have to develop. Research in general, there are so many times the internet is at their fingertips. (laughs) As they get older, they come to me with a question. I'm like, I'm pretty sure you could find that. Why don't you go try and find it and then tell me your answer and I'll tell you if it's right. Because they need to be able to proactively look for things as adults. And this is a great way to teach them to double check, even double check the dates. Go find your school calendar and check it. Or they'll ask me, oh, what's going on this week? We have a shared family calendar on our phones. Go look at it. Don't ask me. You have it too. Yeah. And I even do that with the travel (laughs) part too, right? Like the negotiating getting out of school is good. Now my college age kid is booking his own flights. He can navigate airports. And when he was 11 or 12 when we were traveling, I'd be like, okay. Show me where the gate is. Find the gate. Because at 14, he was traveling by himself all over the world. These are the life lessons. When you travel, make sure that they're understanding all those things. We know what they're learning. But do they understand the gift of being able to see and do things that not everybody gets to do? One of my personal favorite episodes was all about travel mistakes. Ones we've made. Ones we see a lot of people making and how to avoid them. I've traveled a few times recently where I've made the reservation with a travel agent. We're all kind of travel hackers and I do my research and I maybe find the best rates, but I'm willing to spend the extra $50 to then make the reservation with a travel agent friend because the times when I have been stranded, when a flight's been canceled or a hotel doesn't pan out to be what it was supposed to be, Then I've got somebody on the ground at home who can get on the phone and make all those calls. I travel with protein bars. It's just my thing because then I know I'll always have a snack. And I did get stuck in another part of Iceland. It was a luggage hut. And we were taking a travel bus between Blue Lagoon and our next hotel to Reykjavik. And we got stuck there for almost a full day. We ended up walking in a blizzard to get back to our hotel because the bus couldn't move. The roads had shut down. But I had 15 protein bars in my backpack. So I was super popular in there and I wasn't worried about starving. As business travelers, working while traveling is something we encounter frequently. Our episode touching on this topic was filled with tips and tricks we've learned over years and years of travel. Sharon, I know that you're in a different end of the spectrum. Your husband and yourself are business owners. You can 
work from anywhere. We're not all tethered to a desk in a physical location anymore. But I know that you've said some really interesting things about how you get writing done and where you work from. So what are your big tips for traveling and working? It's a blessing and a curse because the fact of the matter is that you don't have to ask your boss for days off. You don't have to ask for permission to work from far away. But you have to be very disciplined and you have to have a good plan. There's no such thing for us as a vacation. We are always working. So that means we always have to worry about Wi-Fi. My husband has a lot of meetings. He's constantly in meetings and those meetings often go long, longer than planned. If you're somewhere and you're booking a reservation for dinner or you're booking a tour or you're booking a ferry to an island, make sure that it's not anywhere within hours. Um, those meetings that tend to go on forever because they will and you will miss the boat. And that, that has happened to me. <laughs> Seriously, I feel you from the perspective of the person who usually ends up having the meetings who go long. For me, on the business travel end of things, I think loyalty in general worked well. Picking a brand and kind of sticking to it, especially with hotels, made me feel like I knew what to expect every night. I had some pull if there was an issue to get it fixed or to go to someone because they see how many more upcoming stays I have booked and how many times I've stayed. Those were big ones for me. Wi-Fi, of course, always something to be aware of. I would bring Skyroam. It, we can borrow it from our local library. So you may have that available to you as well if you're listening to this. Skyroam can connect up to 10 devices and it's a mobile hotspot for Wi-Fi. But our local library has one that they lend out for up to a week at a time with your library card. And sometimes there are libraries of useful things in different communities I've been in, especially cities where you can borrow things like that or rent them from other people. Definitely look into that if you know that it might be iffy and you might need a little extra bandwidth or if you're bringing all the kids with you and you don't want to compete for the bandwidth of the cabin or whatever you booked. It's a good option. I have extras of everything that I normally have to travel with. Chargers, uh, the extra plug-in thing that provides me with extra USB outlets, headphones. They don't leave my suitcase. They are in there every time I pack. I never take them out because my biggest fear is getting somewhere and realizing that I don't have one of the things I need to do my job. And so to take that down, everything stays there. I don't touch it. It's not home stuff. No one else touches it. They all know. Memories that we can look back on are key. We dedicated an entire episode to travel journals and taking photos on vacations. It's such an important topic that Sharon even wrote a book on it. I went from taking so many pictures that I didn't enjoy the vacation to burnout and not taking enough and being sad afterwards. I need to hear about this perfect balance in the middle. I think we have all been as <laughs> where we're so desperate to capture everything that's happening in our fantastic vacation that we end up becoming full-time documentarians and not actually enjoying our vacation. So I hate to see that happen. The three of us met because we were all working as influencers and bloggers and going on a lot of trips where that was literally our job. It was our job to take pictures. But it became so ingrained for me that even when I went on a trip with my family, I found I was still documenting and not enjoying. And I knew there had to be a better way. One of the things I did as an influencer is I started putting together guides for other travel journalists and influencers and bloggers 
to capture their vacation without sacrificing their Saturday. Along the way, I became acquainted with an activities director for Celebrity Cruise Lines who said, you know what, you have some great tips for sharing trips. I bet people on our boats would love it. I put together a whole program for the cruise ships. That course many years ago and my experience um, as a blogger led to the book I'm about to release, which is a DIY travel photo journal. The goal of that is really to teach people how to get the pictures that they need, think the thoughts and ask the questions that'll allow them to maybe jot a few notes down so they'll remember their vacation for years to come. They'll have plenty of pictures to share on social media because let's face it, we all care about that. But they'll be able to be present and enjoying their travels. There's just so many things to do and pictures to take. And it's nice to have the picture and download the experience. Absolutely. Des, where do you stand on the many pictures, not too many pictures? Where are you on that debate? I see both extremes. Again, I like to document the travels. People back home often see me as a resource for, oh, where did you stay? What did you do? I feel like I'm helping them. I will be honest about, okay, I stayed at this hotel. I would never do that again. I loved this Airbnb and and what have you. So for me, it's an important part of sharing because I do feel like people look to me for that. But I travel a ton with my daughter. And I will say the last trip we took to Santorini, I would take 100 pictures and think that's plenty. My boyfriend will take 10. We're good. I want more options, so I'll take a hundred. My daughter wants a thousand. So I see both extremes and I don't want too few. I don't want a thousand either. I love Sharon's idea of having a master list. Make sure you get this shot, this shot, this shot, and then put the camera down, enjoy the trip. I also am a subscriber in hiring someone who, if there's a money shot, something you really, really want, hire somebody whether that's photographer, and we can get into that more. But I firmly believe that because I'm always the one taking the picture, I'm not in a whole lot of them. And I want to be in the picture. I also like the idea of making sure the shots you have are really good shots. Not just getting the shot, but getting the shot right. It's no surprise that one topic we get asked about a lot is passports. All of the things that go into renewing them, expediting them, tips, tricks, things to make sure that you don't overlook to make the process easier. There was a lot to talk about on this episode. Learn from our mistakes. (laughs) Yes, you can get it done in an emergency, but it's really much easier to just have a valid passport. Mm -hmm. So if you're not going anywhere, still get it done, have it ready to go because that's not why you don't want to be able to travel. Do you know what I mean? If you want to be able to just pack your bags and go and be ready for it. Even with expediting a passport, people may see that phrasing and think, oh, I'll use this service to do it, or I'll do it through the postal service and pay extra. And even those expedited services that used to be, you'd get your passport in three weeks are taking significantly longer. I would urge people who have imminently upcoming travel within the next couple of months to really think before they send everything off to get expedited through a third-party service. Do it somehow that you can keep track of where it is and how it's going. On our very first episode in September of 2023, we talked about set jetting, the idea of traveling to see places where movies and TV shows were filmed. 
and they've made a little industry around it, which happens in a lot of these areas where big films are shot. Sharon, I know you have a ton of experience planning trips around places you've seen in movies or heard about in books. I have been to a lot of different places where movies were shot. I don't know that I planned the entire trip around, but definitely I have planned days and certain destinations. I too went to Dubrovnik. It was a must do for my husband, who's a huge Game of Thrones fan. One of the nice tips I picked up while I was in Dubrovnik doing that Game of Thrones tour, which I will use even when I organize my own future set jetting tours, was the tour guide had great photos of every kind of iconic scene in the location that she pulled out as we got to the Vista. It was so helpful to have that photo to visualize, oh, I see, I'm standing in the same place where the Red Keep was. <laughs> I'm not the biggest Game of Thrones fan, but my husband was in absolute heaven. Another natural topic for us was unique places to stay. That conversation quickly took a detour to places we would never stay. We all learned that Desiree was the most adventurous. It's funny because I think that all of us are travelers. And so we've all stayed some pretty crazy, unique, amazing places. And it's almost normal for us. I did want to also bring up, there are a few places that I would never stay. As a travel writer, they've been pitched to me or I've seen them come up in my feed on Instagram. There's a couple of experiences where you can sleep suspended over a gorge, like from a tent. And I've seen these pictures. No, ma'am. <laughs> that is my absolute worst nightmare. Whenever I see that one come up in my feed, I'm like, never, never. Now, I'm just, just curious, like what you have, guys would never do. Have you done that, Desiree? I haven't done it, but I would in a heartbeat. My I, husband I, would. Yeah. I worry a little now about I often have to go to the restroom in the middle of the night and that could be an issue. <laughs> okay, where do you go? I love the stuff that you're never going to forget. I travel a lot with my daughter and she is part of the IG generation. Everything is about the gram, getting the photos by the Blue Dome. So that motivates a lot of her travel. I just like different. I'm planning a big trip to Europe in the fall and in Amsterdam, I'm sleeping on a boat. I want that different experience. YOLO, you only live once. So I would totally do the suspended hammock. Absolutely. I'd love that idea. I can't do the suspended. Underwater does not interest me at all. I don't think I would do that. Now, I was just having this discussion with someone the other day about the idea of skydiving versus skydiving inside in a tube. And I'm like, I would never do the inside a tube one. And he's, you've been skydiving. And I'm like, it's not the same. The tube thing, enclosed. No, no underwater, no hanging anywhere for me. I think that rules out there's in the Czech Republic when I was there. I didn't do this particular experience, but a bunch of my friends stayed in an old World War II bunker. It was an underground, no window. And that's why I didn't do it. I also get pretty claustrophobic. So anything submarine, bunker, underwater, like anything where you're in a small chamber is totally out of my comfort zone. A submarine would definitely be a no-go for me. I don't know about bunker because it feels if it's in metal and it's enclosed. I can't explain it. That This, this doesn't need to be a, a therapy session for me on my weirdness about being claustrophobic and what constitutes it and what doesn't. But I guess I have some strange requirements there. What would your no-go be, Maureen? Because I don't want to miss you on that one. Do you have something you wouldn't Oh, do? I'm not sleeping over a cliff or okay. hanging okay. from anything. No. So most of us are in agreement on that. We will let Des check it out for us. On our spooky travel podcast, we all came to a consensus on the scariest destination. 
first of all, let's go back for one second, because if you're listening to this podcast and your entire purpose for listening was to get out the scariest place to go or the place that there was most likely to be something, go to Queen Mary. That's the consensus. Go. We warned you, but go. And, and then tell us about it. We want to hear yeah. about it. Let us know what happened. Exactly. <laughs> because we, we don't mind hearing about it. We just don't want to be subjected to it. As we head into 2024 and at least 52 more episodes of Time to Talk Travel, we've made a few resolutions that are guiding our new year. So my resolution is to always have a trip on the books. So by New Year's Day, whether it's one small three, four day trip every month, or maybe a week-long or two-week-long trip every six months, whatever. I need that for my sanity. So to always have a trip on the books. That's my resolution. I have a resolution that's like the lose weight resolution. Travel more, pack less. Every okay. year I make that resolution, do I pack less? No. But that's always on my list for my travel resolutions every year. This has been another episode of Time to Talk Travel. Brought to you by HashtagTravels.com. You can keep in touch with us between episodes by checking out our site, joining our newsletter, or connecting with us on social. We've always got the information you need in our episode notes. Until next time, happy travels, and thanks for being a part of our trip.